Welcome to Resi Talk, where real estate sales instructors have unfiltered conversations about real estate with industry leaders and inspiring people. On this episode, we are honored to have our president of Cobalt Banker Realty, Duff Rubin, who oversees 80 offices and over 7,500 agents in the great state of Florida. He shares how his commercial real estate successes and his mentors, or as he refers to them, his village, propelled his career. If you are loving what you're hearing, as we know you will, make sure you visit resitalkpodcast.com and sign up for more information. Hello, friends. Welcome to Resi Talk. I'm your host, Cassandra Gallego, and I am sharing the podcast stage with my fabulous co-hosts, Pan Victorias and Laura Gilmore. Today, we have the president of Coldwell Banker Realty Florida with us. Duff Rubin leads 80 offices and more than 7,000 agents in one of Coldwell Banker's largest markets. He's a hockey-loving Canadian that has made Florida his home sweet home. Welcome, Duff. Hey, guys. How are you? So glad to be here. So happy to have you. Welcome. We're up to 7,500 agents. I was going to ask. I was going to ask you what's the actual number. Yeah. Good. So we should update that. 7,500. That's impressive. Go managers. <laughs> Largest in the country. I think the next nearest size is probably 4,000. So almost double wow. the, the second largest That's impressive. call banker in the country. Awesome. So Duff, we always start these podcasts with a quick little this or that. It's just a quick rapid fire answer. I'm going to ask you two questions. Just tell me what, what your choice is. Uh, are you a phone call or a text kind of person? I'm a text all the way. Text all the way. I'm a man of few words. You're, you're known for your emojis. I, I have sure. to know though, Duff, what is your favorite emoji? <laughs> you know, I, the, I, the sunglass, smiling face, or the uh, two thumbs up. There we go. That's great. Are you a work late or a get to work early? Very early. I, I don't sleep well. Five, six o'clock, I'm doing Facebook. I'm doing Instagram. Yes. I'm wishing people happy birthday, recognizing their accomplishments, listings, and just trying to get all my social media done first. And then I go to Jen Stefano in HR makes fun of me because I make sure that my inbox is clean before I go to bed every night. No emails, no text messages. Oh, wow. You might have to teach That's... us your ways. <laughs> really, we need to know how you manage time for sure. Are you a Mac or a PC? I am a PC guy. As much as I'm an Apple fan, um, I just have never been able to convert on the, uh, I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, but I've never been able to get to the MacBook or the one of the Mac uh, laptops. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> so our favorite question, uh, speed or accuracy? I'd have to go with speed because I'm very quick to very quick to respond. Sometimes that doesn't always help me. I got to tell you, you, you don't know this, but I share this with everybody I talk to that you inspired me through your email signature. I think it's still on there. What does it say? Well, it says, well done. It's better than well said. <laughs> and I have it on my wall behind me. There we go. That is very true, too. So, Duff, are you a vacation or a staycation? Neither. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had either. <laughs> but I guess I would go with staycation if I was going to pick one. He's a, he's a workcation. Staycation's when he goes to the I, I, I need to work on my balance of <laughs> life and work. <laughs> All right. Well, you're definitely known for spending lots of time with our agents. So I got to ask, are you a beer, a wine, or a cocktail? I'm definitely a cocktail and wine before beer. <laughs> Growing up in Canada, I had my share of Canadian beer and I'm 
sort of graduated to the wine and the uh, finer, uh, finer vodkas out there. So if you were at a bar, what would be the cocktail you'd order? Uh, kettle okay. with a splash of grapefruit juice. Ooh, there we go. Nice. Hopefully freshly, hopefully freshly squeezed. Love it. <laughs> Oh, nice. Well, now that you're five o'clock yet. Yeah, I know. I'm ready for my martini. Since you are now in the process of living permanently back in Florida, are you a Florida's East Coast or a Florida's West Coast lover? Well, I'm going to get in trouble with our uh, West Coast people. But, you know, when I first moved to Florida in 98, I moved to the East Coast. I spent a year in Sarasota while I have beautiful beaches. I will tell you I'm an East Coast I like St. Pete. I love the Panhandle, uh, but I'm definitely an East Coaster. Fort Lauderdale is my home. Uh, All right. So being that you played hockey, Panthers or Lightning? uh, There's only one team, the Lightning. Uh, My (laughs) my best friends all played for the Lightning in 04, and I got to be on the ice for the Cup. My dearest friend, Dan Boyle, was uh, one of the assistant captains. Marty St. Louis and um, Vinny LeCavalier, Brad Richards. Uh, I have a lot of dear friends who played for the Lightning over the years. See, you, you got some West Coast in you. <laughs> yeah. And I know a lot of Panthers too. Roberto Luongo was a good buddy. And uh, John Uberto, who's now the captain or one of the captains of the Panthers. But the Lightning were definitely the team I rooted for when I moved to Florida. Awesome. All right. Well, that's fair enough. So I got to ask, are you an audiobook, a traditional book, or you just don't have time for books? You know, <laughs> unless the book has lots of pictures, I'm not reading a book. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm an audio book. Because I'm in the car more than three, four hours a day, and I put it on like five times the speed that it's supposed to be done, and I can get through that 10-hour book in like three hours. There you go. So probably it sounds probably like Minnie Mouse or Mickey yes. Mouse. So I appreciate that. But so if you had to pick one, do you have a favorite book, industry-related? The Hard Hat was a book that uh, Kate Rossi gave me seven, eight years ago. That was a, a, a story about a Cornell lacrosse player who died, but it talked all about teamwork. And while it wasn't related to real estate, it was definitely about building teams and how to be a good teammate and how to be hungry and humble, be the first on and the last out and help your team always with a mutual goal of success. So I will say that that was probably the book that really inspired me to be a better leader. It's called The Hard Hat. Yes, I have it behind me. Oh, hard hat. He's got yep. props. He's got props. Look at that. <laughs> there we go. The hard hat. The hard hat. Okay. That's interesting. Was the author, that. John. John Gordon. But I will say in terms of my development, I had a coach for a couple of years, executive coach, and she got me to read Crucial Conversations. And it was really a great book. It taught me a lot about how to have tough conversations with people. And I, I learned a lot from that. Nancy Corey got me to read Eat That Frog. I know you talked <laughs> yep. about that, Fram. Yes, uh, we do. Pam, you talk about that a lot. And there's also another book that I loved, which was, was it the 12 week calendar? 12 work week, 12, um, 12 week year. 12 week yes. year. Yes. There we Nancy go. Got me Wait, I knew teamwork. We would <laughs> get that together. One of the four of us were going to remember. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I have to ask because we're doing the Cobble Banker, the Resi book club. And so, as you know, our, our first book is coming up on October 12th. But uh, I always want to get new ideas. I appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks, Duff. Awesome. Thank and, and, and Duff, if you like books with pictures, Kate Rossi's number one recommendation <laughs> a couple of weeks ago was The Giving Tree. So I'm just wow. throwing that out there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for allowing our listeners to get to know you a little bit. We're super excited. I got to text Laura and Pam this weekend. We have officially crossed 
the 1,000 download threshold. Very excited. <laughs> yes, very exciting. So, is it only open to Cobalt Banker or is it open to everyone? No, it's a national podcast. We've got listeners from the general public. And so being that we do have listeners that might not know who Duff Rubin is, I'd love for you to share quickly a little bit about your story. You were a collegiate hockey player. You were, you crushed it in the commercial real estate side. Now you're the president for Coldwell Banker Realty Florida. How did you get here? Tell us your story. So like every good Canadian, I wanted to be a professional hockey player. And I played college hockey, as you said, and I studied uh, finance and economics and real estate because I went to McGill University. And we, we're, we're proud in Canada to say it's the Harvard of Canada, but I'm a proud alumnus because I played hockey there too. But my grandparents on both sides were in real estate. They did multifamily, they did commercial. And my family also owned a photocopier business. So when I got out of college and I finished playing hockey, I started selling photocopiers. It taught me a lot about sales because I went to the Xerox professional selling school, which is probably one of the most renowned selling classes you can learn this is 25, 30 years ago, but it taught me a lot about sales. My dad also put me through uh, Dale Carnegie and I went to Dale Carnegie for a couple of years because I really wanted to learn how to connect with people and how to really be a better speaker. So I really do give credit to Dale Carnegie for teaching me a lot. You know, I moved to Florida in 98 because my dad had moved here and was a commercial developer and he introduced me to a small independent commercial real estate firm that had about 30 agents. The name of the firm was Jack Lupo Realty. It was based in Boca Raton. And I got to work with Jack and I got to work with some of the top agents there. And I was fortunate enough to do fairly well. And after about four or five years, Jack decided to retire. And he went to his top two or three agents and said, I want to sell you my company. Now, fortunately for me, these guys were great agents. They were great salespeople, but they didn't really want to formally run the company. And my upbringing and my background my education taught me how to be a manager. So I became the operating partner and we bought the company from Jack Lupo in 04. And then we sold it to Caldwell Banker in 06. So you could say we timed our, <laughs> we timed our sale pretty well because the market started to crash yep. in 07. And there were three hurricanes in 05. And it was really a tough time for commercial real estate. But that was really how I got to Caldwell Banker. And at that point, uh, Clark Toole was the president and he asked if I would like to be the leader of the commercial team. So I was the commercial director for Florida and I was still allowed to sell. And in 2010, I was the number one commercial agent in the United States for Global Banker commercial. And I was doing very well and I was very happy with my life until one day Kate Rossi came to me in 2012 and she said, Duff, what do you think about leading our residential team in South Florida? And it was interesting because I had never really done any residential transactions. I had met the Jills once in my life. Mm -hmm. They were listing the Versace mansion <laughs> for $120 million. Yep. That's every day all the time, right? That's normal real estate. <laughs> exactly. And they asked me to come and I was like, why do they need me to come on this listing? And I called Jill Hertzberg and I said, Jill, what do you need me for? And she said, well, as you know, it's a hotel or it could be sold as a hotel or a restaurant. And we want to make sure that we're prepared because if it's not a residential transaction, we want to make sure we're looking after the commercial side and going after the commercial buyers right. or investors. So that was my first, for <laughs> my first foray into residential commercial and working with the greatest agents in the world, the Jills. Yeah, right. And 
then I decided after some thinking uh, that taking the job to be the residential VP for South Florida with 2,200 agents, uh, the largest region in the country, which Nancy Corey does a great job, a better job than I ever did leading today, uh, I would say was a no brainer. And I said to Kate, I would love that. But I will say to you guys, to this day, people still say, Duff, what's the biggest difference between residential real estate and commercial real estate? And I say, well, I never got, I never got a hug after I closed the commercial. Deal. So I've got to learn a lot. <laughs> I love I to learn. Have you had to learn to be a hugger now? Are you a hugger? Well, <laughs> you know, I was fortunate to replace or to follow, I should say, Clark Toole, yeah. who was a legend in the, not only the state of Florida, but for Caldwell Banker. And if there was anything Clark taught me better than anything, was not only good temperament, but how to just make sure to always take care and be genuine and sincere to our agents. And he always said to me, Duff, if you're genuine, sincere, and do what's best for our agents, everything else will take care of itself. That's right. And I will tell you, with that came really leaning on a new side of myself that I didn't always know, which was much more emotional and much more caring, because I was always a rational thinker. And I took commercial, I went into commercial because I thought it was a business-minded transaction. Right. And in dealing on the residential side, you have to be much more open to the emotional side of real estate because people make emotional decisions when they buy homes and they're dealing with families and they're dealing with history and memories and whether they're selling them or they're buying them, it's an emotional transaction. And I've learned a lot and Clark taught me a lot of that. I have to know, did the Jills give you a hug when the Versace mansion closed? <laughs> uh, you know, yes and no. It was sold at auction. Yeah. Um, at not the same price we listed it at, but I think they were pretty happy with the there you go. Well, I mean, how do you get comps for the Versace mansion? How do you do There's a GMA for that? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> In AMP, I think one of the best stories that you often share is how you got your big break uh, over a nice ice cold beer. Tell that story uh, about what you learned from that experience and how that experience uh, brought you really to the success that you probably now currently have. Well, I, I appreciate that because that was, it really was a turning point. I moved to Florida in 98. I had zero personal life or friends. Didn't have a professional life. I just got my real estate license. I was living in my mother's condo in Boca Raton. And my little brother was going to University of Florida at the time. One of my buddies was playing for the Panthers. And there was a restaurant bar called Gatsby's. And we used to go there every Wednesday night. I remember going there maybe three or four Wednesday nights in a row and seeing a gentleman sitting at the bar wearing a suit and he was always ordering drinks for everyone around him. And I was like, this guy was orchestrating like great things. And I, I couldn't help but notice this for three or four Wednesdays. Finally, I got the courage and I went up to the bartender we'd become friends with. And I said to her, Kristen, can you do me a favor and send that gentleman whatever he's drinking? And Kristen looked at me and my brother at the time. She said, Duff, do you know him? And I said, no, just please send him whatever he's drinking. <laughs> and she said, okay. And I remember 10 minutes later, he came to look at me with a little bit of a puzzled face. And he said, do I know you? And I said, no, you do not. <laughs> and he said, well, thank you for the beer. Why did you send it to me? And I said, well, I'm Canadian. I just moved here. We're generous people. But uh, I figured it was about time someone bought you a beer. And he said, wow, you're very kind. I said, well, I'm also trying to network and get to know some people. And you look like a guy I probably should get to know. And he said, well, may I ask you what you do? And I said, well, I'm in commercial risk. And he said, my name is Tim. 
and I'm the vice president of Office Depot. <laughs> and from that day on, Tim and I became very good friends. But he introduced me to all the people at Office Depot, and it helped me open up a lot of offices and stores for Office Depot. And years later, when people asked Tim, we were sitting at the national championship game, go Gators. And um, <laughs> people said, "How did Tim, how do you guys know each other? And Tim said, well, Duff's the first guy who ever bought me a drink. <laughs> so it just taught me the moral of the story is you never know when you might make an impression on someone. Right. So that's. That's a great story. Or, or stalk yeah, corporate so. executives and find out where they drink. Exactly. <laughs> well, that was before. With all due respect, that was before social media. Right. You couldn't go on Instagram. You couldn't go on Facebook. You couldn't go on LinkedIn and sort of get to know people. I, I, I had to do it in person, face to face. That's awesome. I wish more of us would do that a little bit more. And, and I got to tell you, it still ties into the emotions of real estate, whether you're on the commercial side or the residential side. So that's awesome. No question. No question. Well, it just really ties into relationships, which is, you know, that's all we do. That's our business 100%. Kate Rossi yeah. taught me that first day I was yeah. on the job. This is Absolutely. a nose-to-nose, toes-to-toes business. They can invent all the technology they want, but you can't replace the relationships we have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have moved around. You were at Mid-Atlantic. You've been in Miami. You've been now you're in uh, the entire state of Florida. So you're, you're sort of known for really assessing people's needs well. How do you go about doing that? Well, another great thing Clark Tool taught me was listening. Uh, I was a bit of a talker. I'm still a bit of a talker, but I did learn to listen better. And, you know, I've learned by, by listening to my team. So the, we have 75 managers. We have five regionals. You know, they bring a lot of ideas and suggestions. And I believe in collaboration. I don't need the credit. I already got the job. <laughs> I want to give credit where credit is due. And I really just want to listen to what people have to say. And while I can't listen to every idea, I do want to be open to suggestions. And I make sure that that's known in every environment I've been working in and in every office I visit. I want us to be very, very open. And our leaders know they can speak up. I am not afraid of criticism. And I am very open to people giving us uh, their feedback in a very direct manner. Well, I think that's fantastic. And it just, uh, again, highlights what a strong leader you are. So having come just from Mid-Atlantic, how do our two uh, businesses vary? Are they, are they very different? Or are they very similar? So when I went, to, when Kate asked me to be the president of D.C., Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, I had never been to the Mid-Atlantic. So it was a, a little bit of a, a change in life, business and profession. I moved to D.C., but... Coming from Florida, which was very international and more second homes and seasonality was more the reason for most of our buyers. It was a big change. Uh, People in Maryland, especially in Virginia, were mostly government related. It was a lot of armed services people in Virginia, but a lot of the people there were buying first and primary homes. Whereas in Florida, we deal with a lot of, as I say, we don't deal with first time home buyers. We deal with last time home buyers in Florida. So (laughs) people look to move to Florida when they sort of look to retire or look to find a second home, which is a very different mindset. Uh, It's also very seasonality. A lot of our agents deal with people from out of state, out of country, and that's very different. Mid-Atlantic, you're dealing with locals. So the the buyer mindset and the seller mindset is very different. And I think I also learned the fact that we were a global brand didn't really help me as much in Maryland, Virginia, Delaware. DC, 
was more international. But where I lean on that a lot in Florida, because a lot of our buyers and sellers come from somewhere else, oh, it was a different mindset when I went to the Mid-Atlantic. You were dealing with people that were much more local and they wanted to know how can you, how can you beat the local competition, not what you're going to do for them on a global level. If you were to speak to a brand new agent, which many of our listeners probably are, what do you think you would say to them? What, is, what could you say, this is the nugget I'm going to give you? Well, the secret to this business is prospecting. And if you can find a way to network your life into your business, you're going to be very successful. I tell stories about people going in the Starbucks lane and looking at the cashier and saying, buy the person behind me a coffee. Please give them my business card. I'd love to be their realtor. And making you know an impression at 6 a.m., somebody bought 60 coffees last year and got three listings. They incorporated their day-to-day -day routine into their prospecting. People wear their name badges to Publix and they talk to people in line checking out. People ride the elevator and talk to people about the market, the condo market. People pick up their kids at school and get out of the car and in the parking line, they talk to their kids, parents, friends about the real estate market. Anything you can do to network yourself while you're doing your day-to-day -day life is going to be a home run because it's natural. You're living your life. And oh, by the way, you're just adding the fact that you're a realtor. And the nice thing about our business is that everyone you speak to has to live somewhere. They're buyers, they're renters, they're sellers. When I was selling photocopiers, I called my father and I said, what do I do first? And he said, call your sphere of influence. And I said, what's my sphere of influence? And he said, the people you know, the people that like you, they trust you. And I said, dad, those people don't need a photocopier. The beauty of our business is everyone needs to live somewhere. They're all buyers or sellers of real estate. So use your life and incorporate your business into your life and you'll be very successful. I think that's exactly right. We say it all the time in our business. This is relationship. Make friends, put your nice face on. So follow up to that is what do you think in our current market, which is hot, hot, hot? What do you think the biggest challenge is for our, our agents right now? Well, you know, I learned even in a normal market, that being a new agent, it's hard to get listings. You have to be patient. People may not trust you with their listing, but they may work with you as a buyer's agent or a renter agent. So I would say, take what you can get. Take all the rental opportunities you can because rentals become buyers. Rentals become sellers. But at the end of the day, the more you plant seeds out there, the more you work with people, the more it's going to come back to you in the next couple of years. And you just never know. I used to show space in commercial for 1,200 square feet. The next thing you know, they were buying buildings. I was showing space and some sellers and landlords said, wow, I love this guy. He's showing space in my building every day. I want him to list and sell my building. So be hungry, be a hustler, be a hustler, but be humble and take whatever business you get. Don't turn your nose up to anything because you know what? We all started somewhere. And at the end of the day, as you get bigger and you get busier, you'll be able to start referring out some of that business when you get too busy. So Duff, just as a follow-up to that, um, what would you say to sellers worried about maybe where they're going to go next in their house? I mean, I look at your situation, you came down, you know, you're looking to buy a new construction. You have that on the market now. You're taking advantage of that, right? So what would you say to those sellers? Tim Singer, who's one of my favorite agents, I have to say that because he sold me my house. He listed me my house. 
But, I was going to say, you know, that you have lots of agents know, listening but I love to Tim. this, but that's a fair, that's a fair uh, response. I, I love sure. Tim, but Tim, here's one. Tim was showing me houses. And I remember asking him, Tim, why has that house been on the market six months? And he looked at me and he said, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want me to show you houses that have already sold? And I looked at him and I said, that might be the greatest answer I've ever heard. Uh, I mean, that is classic. <laughs> I, I heard that and I said, Tim, that is a great answer. And he dodged the question of why the house was on the market. But I guess to answer your question, you know, it's definitely a seller's market. And, you know, we always say if there's less than six months of inventory, it's a seller's, it's a seller's market. When you get to more than six months of inventory, it's a buyer's market. But you know what? At the end of the day, this market continues to go up. And if you believe in Florida like I do, you'll make money in this market. And I say that because, I mean, I think we're breaking records every month with the increases and there's no shortage of demand. So I don't see any reason why it's going to slow down. And at this point, you've got to believe in Florida. And the interest rates are so low that what you can buy, what you can buy today, while it might be higher than it was a year ago, you're getting more to buy because of the interest rates. And if interest rates go up a percent or two, that will make a huge difference if the prices don't come down. So you can make a correlation between interest rates and higher pricing versus uh, higher interest rates and lower pricing. So it's really just a question of what you can afford and what you really can stomach in a great real estate world of Florida where everyone seems to want to be moving. I think Danny Hertzberg, when we asked him this question, had such a great answer that ties into what you just said. And it's, it's what's the end goal, right? What, what are you trying to accomplish by this move, by this purchase, by this sale? Um, you know, is it to be closer to family? Is it to be, move to the beach? Is it to live downtown? What's the goal? Because if the goal is to save a couple thousand dollars or to spend a, a, or to avoid spending a couple extra thousand dollars, that's not necessarily the reason people jump into real estate. Is that a great result at the end of the day because you're building equity and things like that? Absolutely. Uh, but that's not necessarily the main reason people want to buy. There's something in their life that's going on that has inspired them to make a move, whether it's a new job, a, a wedding, a, 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 you know, or unfortunately even not so positive circumstances. Um, well, and, and the only other thing I would add to that, Cass, is uh, a lot of our friends from the Northeast that are moving here are seeing such a huge benefit in the tax situation yeah. where they don't have to pay income tax. So while their housing maybe more expensive. And in most, some cases it's less expensive. If they're living in Manhattan, they're gonna do much better in Florida. But when you look at the cost of living in Florida versus some of the places in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, uh, Chicago, Pennsylvania, there's a lot of reasons to love Florida, even if the price of real estate continues to go up. So I bought, I bought my house right during the pandemic. It was new construction. I closed on it four or five months ago. And I put it back on the market because I realized we were in unprecedented times. And I said, you know, I'm lucky. I, I live alone. Uh, I don't have to disrupt right. a family uh, by moving. And it's easier for me than others to go and find a rental. And I know I'm going to pay a lot for a rental property. But I've always wanted to live on the beach. And there are some opportunities for me. I've already looked at where I could live and what it's going to cost me. But the truth is... You know, I'm basically saying that this market is 
a once in a lifetime opportunity for me to cash out. And if somebody wants to buy my home, um, I'm not that emotionally attached to it. And I'll be very, I'll be very happy to see someone take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I guess they should call Tim. That's amazing. So you've mentioned at this point, you've mentioned Clark tool, the great Clark tool. You've mentioned Kate Rossi, who we've had the privilege of having on the show as well. And, and some of their nuggets of wisdom, even Nancy, Nancy, you've mentioned her a couple of times and she shared with our listeners as well. So you've had a lot of influence from the people around you. Um, and so who would you say has made the biggest impact on your career? Who's been your biggest mentor? Um, as you, you know, I, I, I would, it would be insensitive to say right. one person, uh, uh -huh. Peter, Peter Sobeck, who's our chief recruiting officer has given me tough love since the day I started, uh, Pauline Bennett, who's the president of new England has been one of my closest and best friends and having her sitting in the same seat. Uh, it's very easy. Rich Fleischer, who's now leading the Mid-Atlantic, is a good friend uh, and has always been somebody. But I look at our own regionals, Dennis McKinnon, Greg Haig, Nancy Corey, now Terrence Cook, Victoria. Um, I've bounced a lot of ideas off a lot of them. Jen DiStefano in HR has been a great business partner for me. She has saved me. She's kept me in my guardrails. And, you know, like I said, Kate Rossi and Clark, it takes, you know, a village, as they say, to uh, create a leader. And I think um, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of great people, but I've been smart enough to listen and try to adapt and learn from all of them. That's the key, right? You gotta listen. <laughs> uh, I love that. So if you had to say there was one main thing that has contributed to your success and has uh, gotten you to where you are, I, I actually, this is a twofold question. What do you think contributed to your success as a commercial real estate agent? And then we'll, we'll follow that up with a second question there I want to say that I was always a hustler but that I was also humble and you know in the book the heart at they talk about always being hungry and always being humble That's and sweet. I think those are two things and then when you couple that in with my well done is better than well said mm -hmm. you don't want to be known as someone who talks too much you just want to be known for your execution and the hard hat talks about how uh, George, who the book is written about, who was the captain of the Cornell lacrosse team, who they give a hard hat to, wasn't the big cheerleader. He wasn't giving the rah-rah speeches. He wanted to be known by somebody who led by example. And he wanted to execute on the, on the field and wanted to lead in that way so that he could be known as a leader who did what he said he was doing and always have that type of reputation. So when I think about myself, I don't want people to say he inspired me or he, you know, he got me all riled up. I want them to say, you know, he lived his words. He was always humble, but he cared enough to always do what he said he was doing. And he led by example. And that to me is, I guess, what I think a good leader That's should awesome. do. I would have, mm -hmm. <laughs> I have, a, I have yeah. a, I have a good reading list now. Duff didn't have one, he had several, but I definitely got to read that hard hat, which I probably should have done sooner. Yeah. You love to give out a hard hat to your, your managers. <laughs> I do. I got two of them above me. Yes. Well, we give it out to the number one teammate of the month. And like I said, what that book will teach you is George used to show up first, was last to leave. When someone didn't have a car to get to practice, he picked them up. 
if someone was having trouble in school before practice, he would tutor them. Like he, he was just everything that you want from a teammate. And he wasn't the best player. And it wasn't about how good he was. It was about just how he leaned in to help everyone better. And that to me is just what, you know, people say, why did you give up being an agent? And I said, because I played on these sports teams that always taught me whether you won or lost, you always had a good time. Losing sometimes was more fun on the team bus than winning. And I will tell you, when I gave up being an agent, I realized I wanted to be part of a team. I wanted to be surrounded by people who all had a common goal of success. We wanted to help others succeed. Like you guys, the three of you, I want to help you succeed in your, you know, mission of teaching and training our agents to be better and smarter. And that's why you always say to me, Duff, you're always so uh, available and accessible. Well, I want to make your jobs easier. And whatever I can do to make you guys succeed is my job as a leader. And I mean, it's not that, you know, I think I can do your jobs better than you can, but if I can help by being there or just being available or participating in any way, shape or form, I want to contribute to your success. And if that brings participation, well, then maybe that helps. We feel so, 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 so supported by you. And uh, (laughs) we can't thank you enough for the leadership that you show. One thing that you said over and over again, and that we've heard our, our incredible guests that we've had the opportunity to share with has have been has been that leaders come from a place of service leaders come from a place of giving not do this do that and it's so evident that that's how you lead uh your people as well so we're so grateful that we get to uh work towards the same goal alongside you as our leader so anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up our time together no i'm just very proud of you guys and what you're doing because I really do believe Cole Banker is the best real estate company in the world. I believe that wholeheartedly, but I do believe it's because of the three of you and what we're trying to do and just by doing these podcasts, but just trying to connect with agents and say, Hey, it's not about reading books on salesmanship or prospecting or networking. It's also about picking up nuggets along the path and just trying to figure out what are the little secrets that make people more successful. And the more we all learn from each other, the better we're all going to do. Life is a journey of education and training and and just trying to learn every day. And you guys are continuing that. And I appreciate you and I appreciate your passion and commitment to our agents. Thank you. Well, you said you get up every morning and you check your social media. So where can our followers find the great Duff Rubin? On Instagram, it's DuffRubinCB. On Facebook, it's Duff Rubin. Um, and on LinkedIn, it's Duff Rubin as well. But like I said, I, I've used social media for years now because we have 7,500 agents and even during the pandemic. But when I first got to DC, Clark Tool, here's the last story I'll tell you. I was not doing Facebook. I was doing Instagram. And I was doing it more to follow my nieces and nephews. And a lot of my friends who I moved away from Canada or whatever, I sprinkled in some business, but I didn't do a lot on Instagram with business. Clark said to me, you need to get on Facebook when you move to DC. You have 3,500 agents, you need to connect with them. And he said, Duff, let me tell you a story. We had an agent named Venus. She's still in the Fort Lauderdale office. And she was nominated for president of the Women's Council of the board. I think it was the Miami Beach board. And Clark sent her flowers with a note that said, congratulations on being named president of the Women's Council for the Board. 
and Venus had about five or five or six thousand friends and followers. And she put up this picture of the flowers sent by the president of Cole Bank or Clark Tree. And she had about 400 comments and 600 likes. And they said, wow, my president doesn't do that. My broker doesn't do that. You're so lucky. Wow. And it made me realize the power of social media. And it made me realize you can make a connection with somebody. You can stay connected to them on their personal life. So maybe our someone's having our, like our fearless old education leader, Danielle just had a baby and you can all follow along with, with her birth and, and her child through social media, even though she's not working at this time, you know, we don't get to see her as much, but I'm just saying social media is a, is a gift. Yes, it is. Because whether it's the professional side of work or it's the personal side of work, you can really stay connected to everyone. I love that. I love that. Well, Duff, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, I didn't cry this time, but it was very close. It was very close. I did get Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you, Duff. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. <laughs> Have a great one, Duff. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Next week, we are talking with Alex and Amy Vestardis, a dynamic duo who has helped over 2,100 families with their real estate needs and have produced more than $515 million in sales. They are consistently ranked as the number one Colville Banker agents in the greater Orlando area. Don't miss this one. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, and review wherever podcasts are found. And share this episode with a friend. Join us next week for another unfiltered conversation about real estate. This is Pam, Cassie, and Laura on Resi Talk, reminding you to leave your mark.